The market for green foods is still growing and the products are better than ever, but customer preference can still be a tricky business. Today, we'll hear from Maggie Delmas. She's the author of The Green Bundle about the improved performance of organic food, the health benefits, the savings, even the status it confers. But we'll start with her latest research on organic wine. Now, expert tasters are bullish. Sustainable agriculture makes for a better Cabernet or Burgundy or Pinot Noir. And you'd think that vintners would want their customers to know how their wines are made. So why don't they mention it on their labels? Hello again, I'm Oren Almi, and this is How the World Works, a podcast of the UCLA Anderson School of Management. Maggie Delmas is a professor and the faculty director at the Center for Impact at Anderson. She's also a professor at the UCLA Institute of Environment and Sustainability. And Professor, welcome aboard. Good to have you. Good to be here. So what are the advantages of sustainable practices, not just in growing grapes, but also turning them into wine? Well, I think when you, people think about wine, uh, they usually have this uh, vision of uh, rolling hills and green lush landscapes, and they think it is natural, but the reality is quite different. Wineries have a significant, important footprint on the environment. They are big users of pesticides and fertilizers, and they use a lot of water. For example, it takes 16 gallons of water to produce one glass of wine. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a lot. But the pesticide impact is also important. In California, wine grapes are among the crops treated with the greatest total pounds of pesticides, 27 million pounds. Plus, the U.S. Department of Agriculture found 56 pesticide residues on grapes, including eight that are known to be carcinogens. I mean, I could go on and on. In France, in the Bordeaux area, which is one of the largest growing area for wine in France, a nonprofit organization analyzed the hair of children in several schools and found 44 pesticides. So each centimeter of air corresponds to about one month of exposure. They even had to evacuate an elementary school in 2014 in the same you know, Bordeaux area because children and teachers became sick after pesticides were sprayed on vines in nearby vineyards. So there are a lot of reasons then, obviously, for having organically sustainable practices. What are they? Are they able to reduce the water? Do they get rid of the pesticides? How far can they go? Conventionally grown wine grapes are treated with pesticide, fungicide, and insecticide. But organically grown grapes cannot be treated with any synthetic pesticides, fungicides, or fertilizers. So definitely this is better for the environment. And I take it you use less water? You can use less water if you use dry farming, which is actually the practice that is used in, in Europe. And, you know, in California, winemakers who are using sustainable practice are also using uh, dry farming. In California, you drive along the grape vineyards and you see irrigation going on. How do they grow grapes without water? Well, actually, grapes can be grown without water. This has been the way they've been grown for centuries. And the less use of water also can you know, lead to grapes that have more sugar. So it's not necessary. All right. So we've established then that organically grown grapes are better than non-organically grown grapes. The question then becomes the quality of the wine. It took 128,000 bottles for you to establish that wine grown sustainably 
makes for a higher quality, and you did it with some very sophisticated and advanced wine tasters. Tell us about that. I mean, winemakers say that organic grape growing improves the quality of the grapes and therefore the quality of the wine. This is because without the use of chemicals, organic growers need to pay more time and attention to their grapes than for conventional wines. Basically, in organic growing, you need to replace chemicals with labor. And the organic composition of the soil is also different uh, when you don't use chemicals. There is more organic components in the soil and then more of what people call the terroir or the specificity of the soil on which grapes grow. In addition, uh, because you don't use chemicals, the yield of the vine is often lower for organic grapes. So the remaining grapes on the wine have a higher sugar content, and that's a good thing. So organic grapes, according to the winemakers, are better grapes, and uh, better grapes produce better wine. Are they more expensive? You say that you replace chemicals with labor. Does that increase the cost? Yes, it does. So it increased the cost by about 15 to 30 percent. So yes, this is costly for the winemakers. And so the question is, does it actually increase the quality? How do you measure that? In the latest research that got accepted, we use data from three main magazines in France to study if there's a difference in quality associated with organic practices as evaluated by experts. So these are people who taste the wine and they produce a score. Uh, usually it's from 1 to 100. They are kind of known experts in France, such as Gomillo, and in the U.S. it's going to be Wine Spectator, Wine Enthusiast, or Robert Parker. So you look at this data, and we use in France 128 thousand bottles. What is amazing with wine is that you have a lot of information about where it's grown, what type of grapes are used, when exactly it was produced, and then you get information on whether this is an organically grown practice, and then you have information on the quality from the experts. So what we did basically is we compared two wines that have similar characteristics in terms of vintage varietal, if it's a Chardonnay, a Pinot Noir, and location. And one is conventional, and the other one has none of these, you know, kind of organic or eco-labels. And when you control for everything, the age of the wine, the varietal and everything, you can see if when you shift to organically grown practices, you get an increase in your rating by the experts. And that's what we did. And we did this for this, as you say, you know, 120 thousand bottles in France, but we also did it with 70,000 bottles in California. And what we find is that wine made with organically grown grapes rate higher than conventional wine in wine ratings. So for the California sample, organic labels are about four points on average higher than the conventional wines. In the case of the French wine, we find that eco-wines are six points above the conventional wines. So these wines are considered by experts of higher quality than conventional wines. This is making me thirsty. Uh, You took 128,000 bottles in France. You took 70,000 bottles in California. That's a lot of wine. Did you have to pay for it or did they give them to you? We didn't drink it, uh, but uh, we uh, just scrape, you know, the the internet. I, I asked for these, uh, you know, wine experts to give us data, and they never wanted to do it. So we had to, to you know, to get it ourselves. 
Okay, so we've established that the vintners say that the wine's going to be better if it's grown sustainably. We have now the tasters saying that, yeah, the wine is in fact better uh, than the conventional wine. And yet, some two-thirds of winemakers don't even use the word organic on their wine labels. You would think that they'd want to brag about it. Why don't they? Yes, I mean, I think it's a, it's a very surprising finding when we asked, actually, winemakers, okay, do you have these practices in place? Did you get the eco-label for organically grown grapes? And, you know, we find out that, it, yes, they did. Yes, they had to pay this additional 15, 20% additional cost for the getting, you know, the certification. And then you ask them, okay, do you put this on your label? Do you put the organic label on your bottle? And they say, no, we don't. Some of them say, we don't want to be known as the organically grown winemaker in California. And the same happens in France. So this is a very strange thing. Why would you pay for something that you don't want to communicate about? I think it's because consumers are not really so keen on these types of wines. We conducted a survey and found that consumers in the U.S., tend to prefer conventional wines above $15, but prefer organic wines below $15. So actually, we also found that eco-labeled wines are priced 7% below conventional wines. I think it's kind of this uh, strange organic wine puzzle. Clearly, preferences of all kinds, even including price, go with the eco-labeled wine, and yet uh, consumers don't buy it. Is the labeling itself confusing? Is that part of the issue? Yeah, I think it is part of the issue. Uh, what does it mean to be organic? So there's a lot of confusion. You do have a plenty of different labels. Consumers don't really know what they mean. Some of the labels are also self-declared. So in France, for example, there is one label that's called reasonable wine. So the winemakers are saying, you know, we are doing the right thing. We are just very sustainable. But we are not like these extremists who are the organic grape growers and get the certification. And so what we found in our analysis actually of French wine is that those wines that are self-declared didn't get this price premium. So there is some, some issues on, you know, how credible is the label? What does it actually mean? And if you actually in the U.S., there is this confusion of these two labels that actually have the same term. So you have wine made out of organically grown grapes, which is 90% of what we call the eco-wine. And then you have organic wine. And the difference is that in the first case, grapes are grown without chemicals. And in the second case, the case of organic wine, you use these organically grown grapes. And in addition, you don't put any chemicals during the winemaking process. And that means you don't put any sulfites in it. And sulfites are important because they are, I mean, this is a preservative and it allows to stabilize the wine. If your wine is not stabilized, it could grow organically into vinegar. That might actually be something that, you know, people are afraid of. They're not sure exactly what type of wine they get. And also, I think at the beginning of the organic wine growing process, the people didn't have much experience with it. So all these different elements make that People are not sure what this organic wine means, and they often think it's of lower quality. Do they suspect that they're being greenwashed? Yeah, so they might think it's greenwashed, or they might think, you know, in order to do these practices, maybe they don't pay enough attention to their wine. So it's, it's unclear. I mean, there's a lot of confusion, not just for wine, actually, for, for eco-labels in general, about, you know, what they mean. Eco-labels 
are there to help the consumer make better decision or easier decision in terms of identifying the environmental attribute of a product. If this is what they care about, the eco-label is providing this kind of easy signal. They don't have to go to the winery and to kind of understand how the wine is made and they don't have to do all this work to see if the winemaker is actually using sustainable practices. They just see the label and that's it. So this idea of having a label that reduces the information asymmetry between the consumer who doesn't know anything about sustainable practices and the producer who does know about these practices. But right now, sometimes instead of reducing this information asymmetry, some of these eco-label actually create even more confusion than they help. It's really confusing and contradictory that uh, while the market for green foods is growing, that's not the case for something like wine. So let's talk more about effective communication techniques for pushing consumers in the right direction. You talk about that in the green bundle, and I assume the right direction is toward more sustainable food. I think we've thought a while ago that there'll be a lot of green consumers and they will be willing to make sacrifices to buy green products. And there's really a continuum of these deep green consumers to brown consumers. But most of us are in the middle, and these green consumers are actually a tiny maturity. So convenient consumers are people who want to do the right thing, The environment is something that they want to protect. And if you you survey people, 75% are going to say, yes, I care about the environment. I want to protect the environment. But they are not ready for any trade-offs. I think this is the majority of people. And I have to confess that I am one of them. Even millennials uh, who are very pro-environment, they tend to consume way more than the previous generations. So 20 years ago, many companies thought that we would all become deep green consumers, and it has not happened because companies have continued to sell products that require consumers to accept trade-offs and make sacrifices. What we suggest in the Green Bundle is a strategy that bundles the environment, the public good, with a private co-benefit for the consumer. Most of us are not going to do things just because it's good for the environment. People are going to buy products that give them a benefit with no trade-off. So I have identified five co-benefits that can be offered by green products. And the most obvious is quality. And so wine is a good example. Another example is Tesla, where it's all about the, the performance of the car, not about the environmental benefit of an electric vehicle. Tesla doesn't market their car as as a green car. They just emphasize quality. The second element of the bundle is status. So you buy a product to show off. So for example, uh, Warren, if you invite me for dinner, I'll bring a bottle of organic wine to show off my greenness to you. And our studies have shown that this can also be done with uh, energy use. If you show people how they rank status compared to their peers, that can be an effective way to motivate them to conserve energy. So when somebody comes to your house, you point to the um, solar panels on the roof. So you do have people showing off. Yes, definitely. The third element of the green bundle is health. And in one of our studies called the Engage Project, we found that in energy conservation, health can be a bigger driver than money in that specific situation. So the next element of the green bundle is money. Uh, Money is a little bit more complicated. People actually even though they say saving money 
was an effective motivator. In reality, it didn't motivate them as much because it was not enough money they could save in saving energy. But sometimes if it's framed as a tax, it can work. For example, before plastic bags were banned, Whole Foods was offering 10 cents to shoppers who would bring their bag. And this wasn't very effective. But as soon as cities banned the bags and then you had to pay 10 cents, then people started to uh, bring their bags. So 10 cents was very effective in that context. So you've got quality, you've got status, you've got health, you've got money. It's interesting that status is above money. What's the fifth one? So the fifth one is emotion. This is when you get a connection directly to the product through storytelling. For example, one company that does this well is Tom's Shoes, because you know often the environment is very theoretical and metrics are difficult for people to connect with. But with Tom's, you buy a pair of shoes and they give a pair to a child in need and you know exactly what you're going to give. A pair of shoes is pretty tangible and you know they have pictures of children so you know what a child is and a child in need is. So you have this connection that is established. I think in the case of wine, winemakers are more likely to use storytelling to communicate about the environment. And that's what they've told us. They say, you know, this label that we put on the bottle, it just doesn't communicate well. What we prefer to do is to have people come to our winery, explain to them how we do what we do, how our practices are better for the environment, how our practices are better for our health, actually, for the health of people who work on the vineyard. And when we tell that to them, when we explain it, then they buy it, and then they are really excited about it. But this tiny label on the bottle really doesn't work at all. How do you tell stories, then, to people who can't come to the winery, or how do you tell stories about organic food in order to get people to buy more of it, even if quality, status, health, and money aren't all that important. I think journalists play a big role in that, actually, in telling the story of these wineries. So I have an example. One of the first winemaker, Jim Fetzer, he didn't want to do organic wine. He said, consumers are not interested in this. I'm going to try a new thing, which is called biodynamic wine. And most people don't know what it means. And that was his impetus to start something different. Biodynamic practices are actually practices that were described and developed by Rudolf Steiner in Austria. He decided that the practices that were used for centuries, where you listen to the cycle of the earth, of the moon, has important impact on the quality of the crop. And so he developed these practices and now this is kind of a movement. So in addition to organic wine, you have these biodynamic practices. But to go back to Jim Fetzer, he wanted to start this fresh with a new term that nobody had actually used. And because this is so different and because people didn't know about it, he got a lot of press and many articles describing what he was doing. And that's a way that he was able to promote the practices. Another way that wineries do this is also of having people stay in the region and visit them. So that's you know, another way they can tell their story. Okay, well, if you hear the term biodynamic, or see it, I should say, on a label or anywhere else, now you know what it means. Wine has been with us for so long, and there's so much tradition associated with it. And of course, many bottles that are very old are sold for vast amounts of money. When people see organic or biodynamic, do they think that all of a sudden something's changed and are they turned away by that? 
I think it's a, it's a good question about how conservative this industry is. It's true that some of the winemakers tend to be a little older and male and tend to like the way things are. We did a survey where we sent a survey to two different populations, one to people who listen to a wine blog and then another population, uh, UCLA students. And we did find very stark differences in their willingness to pay, you know, even if it was a survey, for organic wines. So those who were a little bit older uh, tended to prefer wines of, you know, of course, a little bit more expensive, but definitely more conventional. Those who were younger tended to say, yes, I'm willing to try this new thing as long as it's cheap. And so you have these two different populations. So I think we do have a new wave of people who are interested in different types of wines. And we see that in France. I was on my sabbatical there and I could see this movement of younger winemakers who are doing what we call nature wine, natural wine, vin nature in French. It's kind of a movement. They are against the establishment. They say, we don't want rules. We're tired of all of these requirements that all of you have. They don't even want to use the appellations. And now they sell their wine. It's called French wine. It's not Bordeaux wine. It's not Burgundy wine. It's wine of France. And then they don't have to obey to all of these rules. And they do the wine they want. They make it without chemicals. And these are really, really interesting, interesting wines. Maggie Delmas, it's been wonderful to talk with you. It's fascinating to talk about The Green Bundle, which is such an interesting book, and also about what you've done in terms of the research with wine. So thank you very much for being with us on How the World Works. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. I'm Mormon Alney. Join us again.